Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, everybody. I'm Kristen Carlson, and I'm here with Dr. Jim Carlson, owner and holistic veterinarian at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center located in McHenry, Illinois. Dr. Carlson's work and quotes are seen throughout the internet. You can find them everywhere. Uh, MarthaStewart.com, Pet Coach, Pet Co., many different articles featuring uh, Jim. So, um you know, a lot of things have changed. Uh, we will be doing a lot of woo-woo talk a little bit later on in our podcast. We're also going to talk to Becky Kirchner. She is a realtor, and she's going to have some tips on an essential business, which is moving. People have signed contracts, and they have to leave one home for another. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, perfectly acceptable at this time. And one of the things she's going to talk about not only is uh, moving and realty being an essential business right now, but uh, pet-friendly homes. Are they selling quicker than homes that aren't pet-friendly? And also some of the worst case scenarios and the worst mistakes that people make when they have pets in the home. It's kind of confusing too. It's like, what do you do if you have pets and like you're working and people want to see your home throughout the day? Where do you go with them? What do you do? How do you make sure there's no smell? That kind of thing. So a lot of prep. It's a lot of, prep, a lot of extra preparation. It really yeah. is. It's, it's plenty of work. So Becky's going to be here with us uh, in the next half hour talking about that. Right now, of course, the pandemic, the coronavirus, uh, everyone's so concerned. And we're an essential business, veterinary medicine, because we do have a lot of really sick cases coming in and people do need help. What we're dialing down, though, uh, throughout the country, a lot of clinics, is non-essential elective type procedures. And part of the reason for that so spays, neuters, what else are non-elective procedures? Well, there's certain vaccines. Certainly the rabies vaccine is, is still important, but the uh, the uh, non-core vaccinations, you know, certainly ones that you could put off mm-hmm. for a Grooming. period of time. It's, it's mainly to keep the, the, the traffic flow in the clinic down to protect clients, but also staff members and and uh, veterinarians alike, you know, just to be sure that we're not getting a, a major spread of the virus. Uh, we are in an area where there is virus uh, in Illinois, so uh, we are considered, like Kristen said, an essential business. Uh, we have changed. Our state a has bit, been though. locked down for, or shelter in place order has been yeah. happening for two, is it two, are we in our second week of that? And yeah. then it's going to go till April 30th, like a lot of states. Yeah. Some states don't have a shelter in place at this point in time, but. Uh, it looks like it's coming. The virus is really coming on for everybody. So definitely something to be concerned about. Yeah, what did they say? Another thousand cases uh, over? I think so, yeah, in Illinois. Yeah. yeah. So um, as far as caring for patients is concerned, the AVMA has some guidance for its members. So the American Veterinary Medical Association is kind of helping practices navigate this. I hate to use the word unprecedented territory because everybody's using it, but there really isn't a better word. I'll have to Google a different one, I guess. But um, animals that are sick or injured should receive veterinary attention. That's really a lot of what we've been doing. We have a lot of 
a lot of things just going wrong with animals right now. But you kind of also wonder, are owners who are sheltering in place in their homes now seeing things that maybe they didn't see before? Probably. They're more attentive, obviously, because they're going to be there. They're going to be seeing the, you know, their, their pets. They're going to be home. They're going to be, you know, playing with them. Um, yeah, they're going to, I think they'll notice a lot more about them. There's mm-hmm. a lot more bonding, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> you know? Have you seen all the cat memes? It's like, exactly how long, Karen, are you going to be sheltering in place? And the cat is, <laughs> cat's dressed in pajamas. Right, right. Like that. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so, I mean, you have to make some either. light of it, right? Right. Yeah, they're not used to having us at home <laughs> either. Like, what are you doing here? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, um, people should consider rescheduling or limiting services such as wellness exams, dental services, and other elective procedures. So, some of those would be obviously the dental cleaning. Um, so if your if your pet has like we had the other day a really big tumor in the mouth, um, this is probably an okay thing to get done depending on what you perceive that tumor to be as a veterinarian. Yeah, that would be what they consider non-elective, in which they're under the medical advice of your veterinarian that it's deemed necessary to have that surgery done now versus later. Um, Spay and neuter is is obviously necessary, but it's not urgent that you have to do today and and save the life of the pet, for example. Um, Dentistry, the same thing. Unless you have severe periodontal disease, then that could, it's more dental surgery, Mm -mm. which then you could put into place as an essential uh, Mm -hmm. procedure. All right. So you just might want to consider rescheduling or limiting those services, especially if you're in an area where there are a lot of cases popping off uh, like we are. Mm Mm-hmm. We're about 60 miles from Chicago, aren't we? Yeah. It takes like 10 hours to drive there, though, so <laughs> it <Yeah>. feels like it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're getting we're getting our fair share of cases, that's for sure. So, it's you know, it's protect you and still provide essential services when there's an emergency or something going on. A rabies, um, I did read yesterday, is considered essential. So, a rabies vaccination, you can go ahead and come in and get that. We'll We'll probably do it in a car uh, and or we'll bring your pet in. Uh, we've actually locked the door of the building and we have to ask people to just call from their car. Telemedicine is great at this point because, you know, you can take your phone out, stay inside. You could talk to the owner about what's been going on mm-hmm. and you can do that over the phone. But telemedicine I don't know, just adds a little more of a personal touch and you can see, you know, if an owner's super upset about something, maybe, you know, more is construed um, through, you know, being able to see someone. Yeah. So it's a learning process, you know, because you're, you're obviously, I'm used to talking in front of the client and, you know, and talking over the phone and things is, is a little bit different, but it's still staying in touch, staying in contact, uh, answering all the questions, making sure that, that everybody is, uh, you know, feeling comfortable with the diagnosis, the treatment, you know, and also just to to have a conversation, alleviate their fears. We are a public health uh, profession as well. We are. An, I think people forget that sometimes. Yeah. It's not just about pets. I mean, you protect veterinarians, protect the meat supply, mm-hmm. right? Uh, by doing what? Explain that. Well, we make sure that that the meat supply is um, a good quality. You know, it's obviously heavily inspected to make sure that that everything is okay. Um, the second thing is uh, just look for disease control. We don't want uh, disease transmission through the foods, uh, but we also are available as 
uh, an aid to the medical profession in case there is pandemics like this. What's going on in in in, uh, in the business profession as far as medical care and stuff like mm-hmm. that as well? You know. Well, that does bring up a good point. Should um, you worry about your pets getting coronavirus? Right now, there were two cases of pet, pet dogs that carried the coronavirus in Hong Kong. Um, There's been one case of a cat confirmed to be infected with COVID-19 by its owner, and that cat was tested in Belgium. So, I mean, at this point, nobody's going to get coronavirus from their dog or cat. No, right? it doesn't. It doesn't appear to be so, you know. But uh, that's one of the important roles of us as veterinarians as zoonotic disease. You know, animal diseases that we can get, but also transfer of human disease to animals. We're monitoring that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, fortunately, if you're sick and you have a pet, there's certain guidelines that you're supposed to use to protect the pet from you, mm-hmm. uh, just in case. Uh, because these pets have shown that they can actually harbor the virus in their mucous membranes, mm-hmm. uh, leaves the possibilities out there that something could happen. Nothing happened so far. Nothing That's has happened yet, though. Surveilling. So no reason to get rid of your cat or dog or anything no, no, like that? Nothing like that. But mm-hmm. uh, um, And I guess the real question, too, could they, you know, could they be... You know, could they carry the virus on their fur? Can they carry it to to other places? Um, I suppose it's possible. I mean, but you know, yeah, that was that was actually a question I had because you know our workers are pretty concerned. They're mm-hmm. pretty nervous, right? And it's you know some of them are getting you know I mean pretty pretty almost annoyed. You know, they're just they're yeah. feeling the stress and pressure. And, you know, and you go home and you read you know on the internet all these cases and everything about it and then yeah. you know you have to come back to work the next day you know kind of not not quite like a you know a an rn or a physician you know because they're caring directly for people like that who are ill but it's still a concern to be working with animals that are coming in like what if that person had it it could be on the animal's fur right and we're we're really examining we're deep you know deeply examining that animal. We're in the skin, checking it out, feeling all the lymph nodes, the abdomen, uh, looking in the mouth, everything like that. I think, you know, it's just it's just a worry, I guess. It's not like you can give them a bath before they come in. It, right, that's for sure. And yeah. um, Before you uh, examine them, I mean, you know. Right, so, so far, we're, they're, uh, you know, they can they can carry it with them, but the good news is that they there hasn't been no reports that they're actually transferring the virus to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but use those precautions because pet social distancing is just as important as people social distancing. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know. So if you, I mean, do you have to only do that distance yourself from your animal if you're sick, or should you distance yourself from your animal anyway? Just if you're sick, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, but in terms of, you know, where we're not able to go, our pet's really not able to go anymore either. But if you're able to take a walk, you can walk with your pet. But if you see someone on the street, you know, at least six foot distance between least, the pets and people, yeah. you know. So don't go right up and shake hands and stuff like that, obviously, you know. Yeah. Can your dog shake hands? Well, like, they can touch each other. Yeah, sniff, I know how out. dogs. I know how dogs shake hands. I know. <laughs> it's not pretty. No, but, it, but they should... Uh, don't keep up pet social distancing as well. Just as just you know, common sense things right now. 
because there are some things that are up in the air, it's just better to be cautious than, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not being uh, antisocial. Everybody understands these days. Okay. So what's a fomite? I keep hearing about that. What does that mean? Well, a fomite is anything that could carry the virus and, and, and leave it in a different place. So when I was growing up on the farm, one of the biggest fomites was a feed truck. Uh, so if there was an outbreak of, of animal disease, the feed truck was one of those potential sources um, um, in which the, the feed truck would drive onto the farm. And if there was disease on the ground oh. or in the manure or something like that, they could get it on their tires and then go to the next farm and the next farm. Was that uh, TGE? Yeah, TGE the was hog a, disease TGE. Yeah. So they were delivering like to or, or really anybody could drive onto your place. Yeah. And if they had it or maybe they didn't quite know they had it yet, you could still get it at your farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the feed truck said that happened to us once yeah. at our farm growing up. Yep. Yeah. And it was one person who showed up, claimed he didn't have anything at his place, and in fact our pigs got it, and we were so careful. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, so they had to, you know, basically after each load of feed, they would have to go back to the, you know, the feed store and wash the truck down, hmm. and then put a new load on before they went to the next farm. Really? So a um, fomite. Right, and but then would, also. Would uh, that include like um, doorknobs, door handles? Is that what a where a fomite would be? That yeah. Is that that what it's? Any, that's what it is. Okay. Any place where you could. Uh, where you could leave a potential source uh, like a virus and then leave it for somebody else to pick up. Okay. So perhaps in pet fur. Yeah. Okay. Perhaps. So precautionary measures, you know, mm-hmm. just wash it. That's why we're washing our hands after each pet, you know, use disinfectant after each pet. Just yeah. to be sure, you know, don't. And I've directed everybody to wash their hands every 20 minutes anyway. Yeah. You know, so the national stockpile of emergency equipment is nearly gone, according to President Trump. So this is putting a lot of people in a serious situation. Obviously, the human health care workers come first and um, praise all of them, you know, of course. And, you know, the thing is, is that's part of the reason why we want to dial down our non-elective surgeries is to try to preserve what we can as far as um, medical supplies for the human healthcare industry and not just take them all for the veterinary industry. So uh, there's um, a couple of differences between all the different masks and the personal protective equipment that is going really, really scarce here. Um, why don't you explain just a little bit about what all of that is? Well, the, the thing that's most important is what the, that we hear about often is the N95 mask, which is a respirator. And a respirator is a lot different than a, a surgical mask will definitely do some protection, but uh, very little against a virus such as, you know, because the virus is such a small particle. So, the N95, so it just goes right through a surgical mask? It can go right through it. Why would that be acceptable for any surgery? Well, it's going to catch it from coming out, but not coming in. In, I See got what it. I mean? Okay. So got if you're it. sneezing, you know, when you're doing surgery, it's it's better to sneeze straight forward. Don't turn your head and sneeze towards the patient, or turn around, because the mask will catch anything coming out, 
but it won't prevent you from getting anything coming in. That's what the difference between a respirator will protect mm. both going out and coming in. So does the mask help you at the grocery store? Not really. Not it actually doesn't help. I mean, all it's. That much. It, I guess it keeps it from going out yeah. if you're, you know, you don't know you're sick or not. I mean, obviously, I don't right. think anybody would go if they had coronavirus. But um, if you, you know, you can carry it for a couple of weeks and not know. Right. So maybe that's a good so idea for something I'm, like that. That surgery mask or a mask would be important because if you had the virus, then it's going to catch anything coming out of the mask. Okay, so the N95 mask is definitely the one everyone's trying to get right right that's Um, why there's such a shortage too because there's only so many i think the big companies like tesla have been helping to mm -hmm. they've stopped making cars and started making respirators you know janet montisi is a spokesperson for the federal emergency management agency and said the organization has acknowledged that the strategic national stockpile alone could not fulfill all the requirements. So the government had $16 billion available to acquire and distribute necessary supplies for fighting coronavirus. That all will go to the human market, of course, not to the veterinary, um, and then rightfully so. So uh, there's another mask as well. Yeah, that's called a PAPR respirator uh, as well. It's very similar to the N95 and um, works very much the same way. And um, the, the, the problem there, again, is, is that there's, there's a limited supply, and, and uh, the national supply was designed to only help with maybe a couple cities breaking out. But when you got a 50-state pandemic, it's just... It's just never going to happen. You know, it's, we it's, don't have uh, enough. So hopefully they'll get to you know begin making extras uh, at this point and start getting that going and get everybody right. protected. Right. You know, and, you know, if anybody has anything to donate, um, we do appreciate the offer, but we would want you to donate that to a human hospital to protect those people who are really on the front lines. You know, like we don't want to get sick either, but um, we're not so much dealing directly with COVID uh, itself like the humans uh, would be. Um, So encouraging hygiene within the animal hospital, communal surfaces, uh, cleaning and disinfecting. um, You know, the the one thing that I thought was interesting is how to wash our hands. Have you seen, there's like this really good video of this guy who was on like black gloves and he is on Facebook Washing his hands? Yeah. I had no idea. Is that the typical surgical scrub down? It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you have to cover every part, including under your fingernails and everything. But uh, we don't think about hand washing. I remember, you know, you go to the, the airport and stuff and you go to the bathroom and, and you see uh, various, of course, the way it used to be before the pandemic. Now there's probably nobody in the airport, but... You'd see people, you know, washing their hands, you know, and and just a quick little wash. You'd see people not wash their hands at all. Mm. Oh, stuff yeah. like that. Ugh. You know, Gross. but it's it, there's really a science to washing <laughs> your hands. You know, you got to cover everything, the tops of your hands and between your fingers, yeah. you know, everything. All right. <laughs> so, again, it's recommended that people. People infected with COVID-19 avoid contact with their pets, including petting, snuggling, being kissed or licked, and sharing food. Another person in the household should feed and care for your animals 
if you're sick. If the ill person must provide the care, they should wash their hands before and after serving your animal or interacting with your pet and definitely wear a face mask. And as a reminder, there's no evidence that companion animals, including pets, can spread COVID. That's according to the CDC and the World Health Organization. However, as with any disease, it's always a good idea to wash your hands after being around any animal. You can pick up a lot of things from animals. And I think um, that's kind of lost on a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying people don't know better, but I think, you know, you get comfortable with your pet. You think it's part of your family, so it its body is the same as yours. But indeed, my sister, Connie, has two little dogs that she literally will go walk them, bring them in the house and wipe off their feet everything she takes perfect care of these dogs and one of them ended up with roundworms it's like how did that happen of all the people uh, who keeps a perfectly clean house perfectly clean dogs how does stuff like that occur and i think you know when you talk to people sometimes about even fecal contamination or the potential for intestinal parasites they're like oh my dog doesn't have that you do hear that frequently you do and and uh and sometimes even with like heartworm disease and stuff and just going outside and say, well, my pet doesn't get exposed to heartworm because it just goes outside and comes right back in. Right. It only goes outside for a minute, so it never does. But, but I killed two mosquitoes here in right. the last two days in the front, in the building. Yeah. they're how It's the environment you can't control. It's just like the, you know, you can do the best job you can of, of sanitation and everything like that. But prevention's so important. Use the monthly prevention. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one way to keep your pet healthy uh, during these hard times uh, so they don't get sick and then you have to go out to the veterinary clinic. Why is there so much controversy about monthly prevention? I mean, it's all over. Every time a new prevention comes out, there's always stuff all over Google and it scares people into not using prevention on their pet. But I don't know. I mean, a lot of the preventions came from use, being used on people, like in the military and stuff. So I, I guess I just don't understand, you know, you know the scare. I think there's a lot of scare tactics out there. I'm going to give you the woo-woo on that. Okay, there's woo-woo. <laughs> because, you know, conventionally, you can use prevention to prevent. But the woo-woo of this is that if you have a healthy animal, if you're taking really good care of it, it's extremely hard for that pet to become parasitized from heartworm disease, from ticks. Um, one of our staff members said, yeah, we had, I ran 10 German Shepherds out into the woods, and one was just covered in ticks. The other nine weren't. Mm. I said, well, that one that was covered with ticks wasn't feeling well. Brought it in, sure enough, it had some health problems. Only Parasites are predators, too. So they prey on the easiest thing. They prey on the easiest animal. So if you have a super healthy, you notice a lion doesn't go for the the healthiest. Right? Yeah, right. It would have to work too hard. Get the crab kicked out of it or die, <laughs> you know. So it's going to go for the weakest one. Yeah. Which helps to keep you know <laughs> everything going, right? Yeah. I so guess that's so. the woo woo of it is, you know, keep your pets healthy. Feed the best diet that you can. You know, give them a bath once a week or once a month, depending on the skin type. And I think the healthy portion is where the holistic medicine comes in because there's so many other things to to it other than just saying, okay, this dog looks good, its teeth are clean, and it's eating dog food, so it's at a good weight. Okay, that's it. Like, 
there's a lot more to an environment that makes a healthy animal from what I've seen you talk about for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those is emotional regulation in the home. Absolutely. This and is a big one. Such a key point right now because the the pets are going to pick up on our stress load. And the problem is, is they're not going to understand our stress load. Mm-hmm. They don't know there's a pandemic going on. They have no clue. But they pick up, they, they feed off what they call frequency. Frequency is everywhere. Everything has a frequency. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the woo-woo of this too, is that and animals pick up frequency just like a, a, a whale in the, in the ocean would pick up uh, frequencies and bounce it off of things so they can tell, well, that's something to eat or something to kill or something to, to stay away from. And uh, pets feed off our, they mirror us. So we're stressed, they're stressed. Mm-hmm. So we want to be sure that in times like this, it's okay to be stressed. But I often tell clients, don't be stressed within eight feet of your pet. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> within eight feet, they're going to pick up on the radar. And it freaks them out. They don't. Why they, eight feet? Well, that's their personal space. Oh, okay. <laughs> when you they have, pets the, have boundaries, too. They have boundaries, too, you know. <laughs> And the closer you get to that space, obviously, you know, they're going to pick up on you mm-hmm. and they're going to see you and then they're going to be reading you. Are you stressed out? Well, you know, a golden retriever is very compassionate, but, yes. you know, uh, and they're going to kind of understand, but it still stresses them out if they have to be compassionate 24 yeah. seven, they're going to wear out and get sick, you know. They're probably so, stressed out about having everybody home all the time, too. The animals do, too. They, yeah. they need their space. Yeah. They say, you know, and it's changed. They, they may not mind it, but then when you do go back to work, that's going to be changed for them, too, and it's probably going to freak them out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so social distancing with your own animal in your own house is not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> You know, give okay. them a break, go for a walk and leave them home or, t- you know, but also take them for their walks. Yeah. And Well, it's, you know, it's self-care right yeah. now should not be put on the back burner for anyone. You know, it is okay to go outside and take a walk or a run. And, you know, you just can't do maybe all the things you used to do, like shopping and going out, out to eat, all of those right. items. But it doesn't mean that you can't look for new ways to provide care for your own mental well-being I mean, it's hard I mean people have kids at home now that weren't home you know having to manage the e-learning is is kind of hard I mean I mm-hmm. can't do the high school I'm e-learning it's tough <laughs> I have to admit I was a little disturbed by the fact that you know, alcohol flew off the shelves but the vitamins really mm-hmm. didn't you know right right it's like you know I get that that a little bit of alcohol can be antiviral I suppose and antibacterial but they're probably better sources of it but uh, it's not the best way to take care of yourself, yeah. you know. You know, we have to do a better job of that, right? We're getting a new, um, a new uh, volunteer, and her mom said today that she had to make her disinfecting wipes with Everclear. Yeah, <laughs> because it was a good source for her. Good, it's I- it. I mean, I I even tried to get two bottles, small bottles of alcohol for like fifteen dollars each, off Amazon, and before I could hit one click, they were gone. Yeah, and there's a lot of wonderful herbals that are disinfectants, antibacterial. So like lemon what? balm is tremendous. Okay. Uh, echinacea, the golden mm-hmm. seal, 
Um, these oils can be put into cleaner, you know, into water and diluted. Okay. Uh, and are extremely effective. Uh, anti- and you can take you can take all of those too as a human. Yeah, they can be ingested yeah. as well. I think you have to be a little bit careful with some of them just to make sure they don't hurt your organs. So you should probably. Google that because your doctor's probably too busy to, <laughs> to help you with that right, one, right. but we can't give you that advice. But but there's other alternatives yeah. you know, besides alcohol. Yeah. So um, back to the COVID a little bit, um, the telemedicine is a great evaluation tool. Tell us about that. Well, telemedicine allows us to be able to still see your pets. Right now, uh, we they have to have a valid client-patient relationship, mm-hmm. uh, but it sounds like that might be changing to allow, you know, telemedicine. Yeah, it has. They've kind of loosened the rules up on it all. Right. So So the pets can be seen. Um, But it it keeps that social distancing effect, Mm. but also we can stay in contact with our clients uh, through phone calls. Yeah, that really helps. And I've had some clients say, you know, can we keep doing this after this? Yeah, (laughs) I know. I've I've had a request to continue the (laughs) drop-off. they like it, you know. The drop-off. Drop-offs. The drop-off. They like the curbside I'm bringing my dog in for a nail trim. Can I just do curbside from now on? I'm like, sure. Sure, why not? <laughs> I never know. thought of it as a business model, but there you go. Yeah. Right. Okay, so um, you can find us at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. I have that up on my phone right here. Um, you can also call in. Uh, that number will be coming up here in just a moment here on Voice America, World Talk Radio. And uh, we uh, are here to answer any questions you might have. So you can go ahead and give us a call, see if we haven't answered anything about your COVID questions. Definitely get with us on that. Then uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Becky Kirchner. She is a realtor here in McHenry, Illinois. Uh, she's going to talk to us a little bit about moving during the COVID crisis uh, when you have pets. Um, COVID uh, did not stop things like moving and contracts and things like that. So that's still an essential situation that's occurring. And uh, people are still showing their houses because they need to get rid of them. So um, what's pet friendly? What's selling as far as as homes go when people are buying with pets? Has that changed? And, um, you know, what you can do if you have pets at home. Also, um, five eco-friendly tips to uh, be more eco-friendly at home during the COVID crisis, since we're all home anyway. Uh, preventing pet waste pollution, non-toxic grooming, and pest control methods, as well as sub- sustainable pet food. That's coming up. We'll talk to you in just a minute. We'll be right back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. 
Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, everybody. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. We're moving to a new building. I'm so excited. It is great. It's happening this weekend, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. We're moving to a 10,000 square foot facility. So we have daycare and indoor dog park starting up. Way more room for the pet retail experience that we would like to give to our owners. So uh, a lot of holistic you know, medications, herbs, that kind of thing that we can actually sell to the public if you're a client with us. So we're excited about that. So big week. Um, we're moving, but a lot of other people are still moving around the country from their personal home. A lot of houses are on the market and realtors are finding they have to do like virtual uh, real estate tours because there's just uh you know, really no other way to do it without exposing yourself to coronavirus. So, yeah, a shelter, real estate, yeah, yeah, if you're in, if you are under a shelter-in-place <laughs> order, everybody right now is getting pretty creative. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, one of the things we wanted to talk about today, shifting the subject from uh, COVID a little bit, is how do you sell a house when you have animals in it? It's um, obviously with so many half the American households owning a pet. More than that. Um, it's become kind of a bit of an issue. Becky Kirchner is with us today. She's a realtor in McHenry uh, County uh, here in Illinois. And Becky, tell us a little bit about some of the issues you've faced when pets are at stake. Hi, Kristen. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it's not just about people moving. It's about the pets, too. And um, if I am working with clients who have pets, um, I do try to really impress upon them that the pets be out of the house when it's shown um, and any kind of, honestly, um, anything that would be, you know, dog bowls or cat bowls, whatever, the food bowls, the pet bedding, things like that, be put in the garage or stored away because although more than half of the people in the country do have pets, a lot of people there are, there are some of them out there that don't like animals, so they don't want to know that there's been a, an animal living in the space that they might want to see as their own. Um, oh, it's okay. also um, to the point earlier um, the doctor was making that it is stressful for them. Um, you think about even bringing an animal back after a showing and the smells of so many different people walking through the house, um, it just, it's going to be overwhelming for the animals as well as the people not wanting to see them there. 
Oh, okay. So are allergies a big issue with potential buyers? Allergies can be a very big issue. So I have upon times had people actually refuse to go into a home when they know that there's cats in there or dogs if they have a, a really high allergy um, to the, the pet dander, the pet furs. Um, I have cats at home and I know um, when I have a couple specific friends when they come over, I make sure I'm diffusing peppermint oil or give them some peppermint oil because that does help them with their allergies. And of course, just making sure, you know, to get the fur up and, and keep, keep on top of that. But yeah, I have had people refuse that because of allergies. And, um, and then other people, even if they have allergies, they go into the home knowing that they will be replacing all the flooring, um, getting anything out of the house that they can so that they can move into a nice oh, clean really? environment. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's that can also be pretty expensive, it sounds like. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are maybe the top three pet peeves of a realtor when it comes to showing a home that has pets? Um, oh, when the pets are home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's hard. <laughs> So, um, yeah. you know, and especially like if you're a pet lover, you know, you walk in the house and, you know, I always do have noticed if there's a, an animal there, they'll say small, you know, friendly pet in a crate or whatever. So, but when you look at that animal sitting in their crate and they're seeing, you know, three or four people um, walk in their home and they're just walking straight by them, they're not letting them out. They're not giving them a treat. They're just in their space. Um, dirty cat boxes are that's a, a big, big, big pet peeve of mine when I'm showing homes, oh, and, you know, the people haven't considered, you know, like, oh. again, if it's not an animal lover, that's a huge turnoff. Yeah. I hadn't even actually thought of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what else? Just an overall smell um, in the home, I think would be, would be a turnoff. Yep. The smell is the big one. And a lot of times, you know, if you have animals, you don't notice it if you're living in that space all the time. So they're not going to, you're not going to absolutely know that it's, um, you know, that the smell is there. So I have on times walked into homes and been like, oh, yep, this is a dog house or oh, <laughs> this is definitely a cat house. Right. So yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. I think those people might have been nose blind. I think that's the term, yes, right? Yes, nose blind. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nose blind. Yeah. All right. Um, so a, a question about buyers. Are they looking for any more pet-friendly homes or any features they in the home are. like a dog shower or something? Yes, absolutely they are. I'm glad you brought that up. The um, National Association of Realtors every year does um, like home improvement surveys, like what, what the ROI is on making, you know, putting hardwood floors in or putting in a new roof and things like that. And they, uh, they actually came out with a new survey about um, updates to homes for pets. And so, yes, um, showers for pets are one of the biggest things people are, are really making improvements based on their animals. Um, oh. And so when that report came out, and I'd love to send you a copy of it. It's pretty interesting. Um, when that report came out, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, people are looking at these homes not just for themselves, but their animals are their family members. So if I have a property mm-hmm. that happens to have a really nice yard or, you know, specifically fenced, I always try to make sure that in my marketing remarks, I call attention to the yard for the four-legged family members because, People, they want to know that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, very important. I think, especially in a little bit, uh, the millennials uh, and the Gen uh, Z right now is starting to come up. They're not quite homeowners yet. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I think they're all kind of getting in on uh, making it life a little easier with pets, actually. Well, the interesting thing is, so I just sold a home to a, a sweet, sweet, sweet young couple. I had talked to them about a year ago. They were having a terrible time trying to find a rental because they had two rescue pits. And unfortunately, um, people have given pits a bad name. So they were able to stay in the apartment they were renting just for another, I guess, another 12-month lease. But when that came up, they decided they needed to buy a house because they had to have a place that their dogs were welcome because they're not welcome in rentals. And um, so they became homeowners. So we're seeing a lot of that millennial crowd that loves their pets. Um, They are kind of being forced to be homeowners because a lot of owners, their, maybe their insurance won't cover it, or if it's a specific townhome complex or condo complex, they may not allow um, the large breed animals. So um, it's actually making homeowners out of some of these young folks. Tell us, um, do you have like a worst case scenario of um, a time that you went into someone's home and you just thought, oh my gosh, this is never going to work out? Um, I do. I was actually attacked by a cat. Oh, no. And I love, I love cats. Uh, oh, they, these people are dear friends of mine, and I was selling their home, and their cat is very much a dog. Um, okay. I was at their home doing a broker tour, so it was open house for the new listing for the brokers to come on, and I was doing a video, a live video, kind of walking people through the home prior to it um, starting at 11 o'clock. And I'm going through the house and the cat attacked me from behind. I'm not even kidding. Oh my God. Attacked me from behind, <laughs> drew blood. And oh, I no. mean, my friends still laugh about it because, you know, they saw it on the video. And um, <laughs> I told them, I said, you know, you guys are going to have to take your cat out of the house. Like, I've never had a cat have to leave a house before. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. I can't believe it didn't go viral. Yeah. Well, I know. And you know what? I think it's because it was a, a live video. I couldn't, like, I couldn't oh. recapture it. I don't know. But we laughed about it. And I actually um, am listing their home again now, the the house they bought a couple years ago. So oh. um, we've already had that conversation. <laughs> It sounds like a very adventurous career, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, hopefully people will take advantage of the daycares and boarding facilities and, and do some extra cleaning. Yeah, absolutely. And a little bit of extra love absolutely. on their homes. So. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. com, And thank you so much for joining us. And uh, good luck with your listings that are going on right now. Thank you so much, Kristen. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. So, uh, very interesting. Um, it, it is hard to, you know, sell a home. I mean, it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of work to keep up with your pet care. I should Google that. How many more hours does someone work in their home or how much more housework is added when you have cats and dogs? Oh, that'd be a great study. (laughs) I'm sure it's been done. We'll we'll have to do that next time. Yeah. So, um, uh, moving on a little bit today, we're going to talk about five eco-friendly tips that 
you can do at home. And this is from a website called Echo Watch. Uh, kind of an interesting website. And they have some really good suggestions about um, a few different topics, like buying or making your own sustainable pet food. A 2017 study found that the 163 million dogs and cats in the U.S. eat about 25% of the country's total calories derived from meat and contributing to greenhouse emissions equivalent to 13.6 million cars. I had no idea that cats and dogs in the United States were taking up 25% of the meat in America. That's, that's crazy. A, that's I had, incredible. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that either. I guess that's, I just never really thought about it. Yeah, I imagine it's gone up quite substantially since a lot of the grain-based diets came, or grain-free diets came out. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it, it used to be traditionally grain-based protein. So imagine the consumption, you know, probably 20 years ago was a lot less in, yeah. in the meat supply. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, some of the other things that people are looking for that are eco-friendly and sustainable for protein are ground up crickets and worms. I've seen the cricket treats coming. <laughs> Don't laugh. <Yeah. laughs> You're laughing already. Wow. <laughs> You're, okay. Uh, I've seen the ground up cricket treats out on the market. I did not buy them to sell in our pet retail section. Well, our son George and ready. I out in Las Vegas, we did try the what? chocolate-covered crickets. You did? Yeah. Oh, God. He looked at me and said, Dad, should we try them? I said, well, <laughs> all right. They weren't that bad, surprisingly. They weren't bad. Okay. No, they're food food grade. No, so food after, grade crickets? You bet. You don't want to eat the one out in the yard, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it's got parasites in there. But. I mean, for me, it's still a little bit of an ick factor. And I know that's probably going to happen for a lot of people. So not everybody's going to quite go for the cricket or earthworm dog food yet. Mm-hmm. But insects are eaten around the world and are known for their high nutritional content of fats and proteins. Mm-hmm. So bug-filled kebble... It might be relatively new, but actually, that actually might start being a more uh, feasible way and sustainable way to feed your pet. It'd be a natural protein for them, too, because you do see dogs and cats eating bugs. Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. They love it. So that's a good source of protein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Choose green toys and supplies. We all know the harmful impact of plastic on the planet. Mm -hmm. So limit the number of pet toys or accessories that contain plastic. This is a really big growing trend. Um, I believe I read it at the Global Pet Expo. One of the biggest things people were looking for, stores were looking to sell, and a lot of people were bringing onto the pet industry market were Echo Quality Toys. So, or, you know, you can also do reusable stuff. So we have a golden retriever. He shreds everything I bring. Yesterday, I gave him a tennis ball. And within about 10 or 15 minutes, it was shredded. It's broken. I found it <laughs> laying under something uh, here in the clinic yesterday. <laughs> so, so it's like, okay. I mean, yeah. like instantly. So yeah. one of the things I do, and this is actually a suggestion in here, is to go to like a Goodwill or something like that if I'm there and I know I, you know, have an open washing machine they can go straight into. I might buy a bunch of the little stuffed animals that they have there Mm -hmm. and give them to the dogs. Uh, Let them play with those. Sometimes they'll last. Sometimes they don't with uh, Benjo in particular. But, um, you know, you do have to watch out in those toys because like those like he ripped out the eyes of something I didn't even know he got a hold of it actually yeah and I came in the office and he'd ripped the eyes out of a toy kitten and um and I didn't even know he had it actually so you should probably take the eyes out 
watch what the stuffing is. If it's not just this regular fluffy stuff, there yeah. could be issues associated with that. And if they're going to eat it and get a foreign body, you definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. But it is potentially possible for some animals that are uh, very mouthy, like Benji. Yeah, especially if they can get it in their mouth. I I know when the kids were little that um, you'd have the little balls and stuff like that. And I remember Blanche, uh, one morning, she I saw it in her mouth, and I watched her, and she swallowed it. What uh, was it? It was a little ball of George's. Oh. And then... I thought, oh, no, we're going to have to go and take that out. And then next thing I know, she regurgitated. I saw it come right up like a cow. (laughs) (laughs) Right out. Quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you get lucky. But those, I suppose, you know, anything that they could swallow is is probably not a good idea for Mm -hmm. them to to get a hold of. All right. Um, Also, preventing pet waste pollution. Uh, Pet waste contains, according to EchoWatch, nitrogen and phosphorus, which contribute to slimy and sometimes toxic algae outbreaks. Mm -hmm. That's definitely something people should pick up and dispose of properly. While some cities have water treatment plants that clean water, not all programs are designed to screen out some of the things that are contained in dog or cat poop. Oh, that's so bad. So definitely uh, just dispose of that the way it should be done. Alternatives for pet litter uh, for cats, wood, corn, wheat, or even newspaper. And all of those actually work out pretty good. Um, the If you go to Tractor Supply or, well, any, like, farm store, and you get the horse pelleted bedding, I love that stuff because it um, it's pine, first of all. And then when they go on it, it it gets, like, how do I, how do I say that? When they go on it. Just immediately absorbs it. Yes, it, it absorbs it all up. And, you know, it's extremely inexpensive. It's $5.99 for 40 or 50 pounds of bedding. I like that stuff. We've used that with our cats before. Um, And it's not all that clay and stuff coming into their respiratory tract. Yeah. Which I liked. Something natural for them. And then Mm -hmm. you can do a better job of cleaning it up. It. It's still clumps. I mean, you can tell where the moisture is. You can you can take it out with your scooper. Mm -hmm. And um, just a reminder, don't. Don't compost it in your garden material. Mm-hmm. You know, have a, yeah. a separate place. You don't want to be know. that eco-friendly. <laughs> right, right. You want to have a separate place for it or, you know, in the trash because in the landfill, they do have a, mm-hmm. a place for that. Yeah. And then we talked a little bit earlier today about flea and tick protection. And one of the best ways to control fleas and ticks is just keeping your pets really, really clean. Going through their coat after you've been outside. Um, there are some natural oils um, that you can dilute in like a spray bottle and spray on your animal before they go out they smell pretty good too which is another plus but just keeping your pet really clean keeping their bedding really clean and um you know i'm not saying you can avoid topical flea and tick products or that you should because we've always seen the side effects of people who did avoid them Mm. and um you know just a flea allergy dermatitis can be you know, painful, it's a lot of itching, it's a lot of medications, it can go into antibiotics, steroids, if you had, you know, you really had to. And, you know, some clinics will do that first off, we, you know, we we try not to, but sometimes you have to. So all of those things, I think, are um, worth considering when you're considering uh, going on a flea and tick medication. 
Yeah, especially, and they do carry disease. Like the the fleas can carry tapeworms, and of course the ticks can carry a lot of bloodborne disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially Lyme is and um, anaplasmosis, and then that can reflect Ehrlichia. as yeah, and Ehrlichia, and that can reflect as skin problems later on, or joint problems, or let's face it, other health problems. You just don't want the parasites poking their dirty germs into the pets. You know, mm-hmm. can you walk me through that a little bit? What happens when your pet is bitten by a tick? What should you do? Well, the first thing, if you if you see the tick there, you want to use sanitation methods to get as close using a tweezer to the skin as you can mm-hmm. because the tick is actually glued down. So it's okay. going to take a little bit for to get to that pull tick it out. out. You don't want to use a cigarette or anything like that to back it out. That's, yeah, that's an old right. lifestyle. The, um, the second thing is... You want to apply peroxide to it right away. Okay. And then see a veterinarian because uh, you want to have a baseline um, you know, tick-borne, uh, what they call tick titers. Okay. And then 30 days later, run another tick titer to see, was that tick carrying anything? Mm-hmm. Now, the early feeders now are less likely to be carriers than the adults after they've been feeding for a while. Okay. But at the same time... You know, get it checked out, you know, make sure if it's just a topical therapy or doxycycline, for example, is an oral therapy for tick bites. So you do that after the first appointment and then you'll recheck in 30 days. Yeah, in 30 days, you do another blood test to be sure that, you know, was there a rising titer there? Okay. Um, because sometimes, uh, you know, the, the first time they're bit, mm-hmm. they, they're they not going to necessarily show a reaction mm-hmm. for antibodies. Okay. Uh, but later on, they will, and it can tell you where they was that tick actually carrying something. All right. Um, and then, obviously, putting on the preventions. You know, using the they, they got the really good oral preventatives, like the the new one that came out. We're talking about Semperica uh, covers. You can even use that for heartworm. Yeah. Well, there's Semperica and Semperica Trio. The Trio has uh, covers heartworm disease, ticks, and fleas, roundworms, and hookworms in a single monthly chewable. So this is an all-in-one. Finally. Seroloner, moxidectin, pyrantol is uh, the first. It's the first thing to combine that. Uh, so, this is the kind of revolutionary, and it's something that's been so needed for so long. It's hard to remember your own medications, not to yeah. mention the once a month or is it the right time of month? You know, a lot of people just get off on the schedule of that, and I can see how hard it is to do. Yeah, and you can still use natural, but. The the thing about natural is there's there's no proof that it's one hundred percent perfect mm-hmm. effective because there's not any research back evidence right. on it. So to me, I kind of I'm I'm way more conventional when it comes to that and less woo woo on the on the the parasites because they uh, they're pretty nasty. So if one of them comes in, like our cats go outside a lot, if they come in on the cat, can they like crawl over the bedding onto me? The fleas uh, are only, they only feed on the host and they don't jump from host to host. Usually if you're getting bit by a flea, it was from the environment and it hatched and jumped on you. Okay. The nastiness about ticks is they can feed four or five times on different hosts. Ew. So they climb off. And so ticks can come off the pad and onto you and bite you too. Oh, really? So okay. ticks are much more nastier. Well, yeah. And they the diseases they carry have some very impactful issues for health issues for people, for animals. I mm-hmm. mean, nobody really, nobody wants to get Lyme disease. And, you know, the 
I know it's all over the internet and there are always things that people say about long-term flea and tick medications, heartworm medications, but I'm truly a believer in it and protecting your family and obviously your pet as well. Yeah, especially parasites because that's your baseline to overall good health is mm-hmm. the anti-parasite. Right. Uh, but also they, you know, they're our biggest worry about zoonotic disease because they do eat on other hosts, mm-hmm. you know animals to us and us to animals so Mm -hmm. they could be another one of those potential problems right right. well get in touch with us if you have questions and uh, for next time holisticvetadvice at gmail.com we also have a Facebook page awesome woo woo holistic vet advice and uh, you can visit us there and if you're in the Chicago land and you want to see our new indoor dog park we'd love to have you at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center well everybody uh, good luck and hopefully we'll all make it through your shelter in place okay and uh call your veterinarian if you need one thanks again bye-bye bye-bye thank you for listening this week to awesome woo woo holistic vet advice please join your host dr jim and Kristen carlson again next thursday morning at 8 a.m pacific time and 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel now go make some time with your best friend